True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Welcome back into Fantasy Baseball Today. This is part two of our live head-to-head categories mock draft, and we are picking up with round 14. The first pick is Jeffrey Springs. Now I'm, I'm happy I took Jesus Lozardo because I was debating between those two, and uh, if I you know passed on both of them and, and didn't wind up getting one, I would have been pretty upset. So uh, Springs has looked really good so far in the spring. Uh, no pun intended there. And he was awesome uh, last season as well. Now can he go a little bit deeper consistently? Can we get some six-inning starts out of Jeffrey Springs? That is the question. Scott, close your eyes, close your ears. I'm sorry to announce, but Miguel Vargas has been taken 158th <laughs> overall. Hey, I have three third base. I mean, three first basemen. <laughs> That's true. So that is true. So. I didn't have a lineup spot for him. Um, obviously, he's expected to pick up eligibility at second base in short order. But yeah, again, one of our drafts, he goes 158th overall. Even without Doug Rowe here, he goes 100 picks ahead of his ADP, uh, which I was amazed to find out doing that ADP review. 253.4 overall. Now, I think... A lot of that has to do with he, he just started getting at bats late last week after having a fractured pinky. He was still playing the field. He was still standing at the plate holding the bat, watching the pitch go by. But he just started swinging a bat, has been swinging it very well, as I'd expect. And I think he's one of the most undervalued players in drafts. I, I, I loved him even when he was going 50 picks earlier than this on average, I thought. I wanted him in every league, but now it's just gotten ridiculous. The out of sight, out of mind thing, I guess. All right. You know, one thing I, I do have to point out about Miguel Vargas is like, I've seen some like, wow, it's really impressive that he drew walks when he wasn't swinging the bat. And it's like, well, no, it's not. He wasn't making those choices. 
<laughs> he just wasn't swinging. <laughs> right. He just wasn't swinging at all. So it's, it was not like, oh, wow, look at the plate discipline here. He just wasn't swinging the bat, guys. Yeah, but I, I think he does a, have a very good plate yes, discipline. He has a good he has a good yes. eye as well. In addition to the fact that he walked four times while not swinging the bat. I think it says more about the pitchers that Miguel the quality Vargas, of competition right. being faced in the yeah. yes. So after Miguel Vargas went 158th, this is fun. Back-to-back Mariners relievers. Who will close? Nobody knows. Paul Seawald, Matters less in this format, though. That is correct. Paul Sewald went to Chris, and then he was followed up by Andres Munoz, Drew Rasmussen, MJ Melendez. Great value, 162nd overall. I took Scott's favorite player in the world, Ahmed Rosario, because I have recently drafted a good amount of power hitters with lower batting average, so... I wanted to pick up that batting average and maybe pick up a few more steals as well. Do that with Frank. Ahmed Rosario. I'm sorry, Scott. Frank. <laughs> hey, you waited too long. I, you have no one to blame but yourself, bud. Well, I, you're supposed to wait as long as you can. That's the whole point. Uh, Nico Horner <laughs> went at the end of last round. Of course, his ADP is much lower than Rosario. And this is, you know, again, why I don't like picking late. Because normally it's just like, oh, Horn, uh, Horner goes, I'll take Rosario. Rosario goes, I'll take Horner. But... You know, there, there's so much time in between that you can't time it perfectly. So I'm going to have to reach a little for my shortstop. Uh-oh. It's one of the players I've also talked about being the most undervalued in drafts this year, Ezekiel Tovar of the Rockies, who goes about 230th overall on average. I'm taking him 169th here. Um, but I can't afford to miss out on him. And I think he has five category potentials. Since he's playing in Colorado, certainly he produced like that in the minors last year. A lot of advantages being in that home environment. And fingers crossed, it goes like I hope it will. Couldn't you have taken him one pick later so I could have accurately predicted round 15 Ezekiel Tovar? (laughs) When did Uh, you predict that? uh, Around like round five, I think. When you didn't get it. I think after I took Carlos Correa, whenever that was. I was yeah. going to ask, do you have a crystal ball? Because, man, that was spot on. <laughs> when did you? So where did you predict that? In our private chat? <laughs> no, no, on the, on the show. Oh, I guess I wasn't listening. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Scott's clearly paying attention to the draft. <laughs> I must have been thinking about my pick or something. All right, so Ezekiel Tovar, 168, and I'm pairing him with a player who ah, I love got it. a lot of buzz today, specifically Reed Detmers of the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, who I already liked as a breakout pick. Of course, I've, I've cited his stats after being sent to the minors midway through last season, working on a slider, came back throwing it harder. And uh, at least by the ratio, stats is pretty close to ace-like Reed Detmers. Well, came out today that he is throwing that slider even harder, uh, and that fastball, too. His fastball velocity is way up, too. He spent the offseason working with driveline baseball. Surprise, surprise. Reed Detmers averaged uh, 93 on his fastball after returning from the minors. It's been 95 to 97 this spring. He averaged 87 on the slider. It's been 89 to 91 this spring. And so that... That that makes for a potentially an even bigger breakout than I was expecting. Of course, the downside is six-man rotation and with the Angels. So in a head-to-head league like this, not going to be able to take advantage of two-star weeks with Reed Detmers. But I think I think the one-star weeks could be impressive enough that I'm happy to get him here in round 15. 
Love it. I think Detmerge is someone that's going to just continue to rise as we get closer to opening day, and for good reason. Let's catch people up on picks. In round 14, I took Amanda Rosario, then Chris Bassett, Tyler Stevenson, Jose Miranda, Jake Cronenworth, and Scott at the turn took Ezekiel Tovar and Reed Detmers. Now we're into round 15. Alec Bohm, Jeff McNeil, Cattell Marte, Josh Bell. I took Tyler Glass now, then Kendall Graveman, and Jordan Montgomery. It is pretty risky. I mean, I took Glass now, knowing that I also have Joe Musgrove. It's just so late. It's... 174th overall stash glass now on the bench until he's ready to return. Hopefully, you know, early May, mid May, something like that. But uh, he will be my SP five by the time he returns. So uh, I've already got Lazardo. I've got Musgrove, got Lance Lynn uh, and also have Brandon Woodruff. I think now was the right time to take that risk reward chance on Tyler glass. Now, after he goes, uh, I mentioned Kendall Graveman, Jordan Montgomery, Ian Happ and Chris your backup, uh, do, do you still need pitchers? Probably, right? You're muted. Yeah, I need some pitching. And uh, since Scott took the breakout starting pitcher that I wanted, I'm going to take a different left-handed breakout starting pitcher, more like a bounce back, Trevor Rogers. Nice. I know when we were doing breakouts 2.0, we... Introduce the term re-breakouts, Chris. You know, it's subjective. Can you be can you break out twice? I, I tend to agree with you. I think you can. And I wrote him up in breakouts 2.0 as, as someone who I think can get back on track. He's had a good spring. He <laughs> finished the season strong with like the two or three starts that he made mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the year before getting shut down. So I, says, I, I like it. Says his command is better than it ever has been. I think he has one walk so far in the spring, which is a good sign. Spent the offseason working on a sinker. We'll see how that goes. Also, uh, working to increase the break on his slider because he's got one of those sliders, uh, you know, especially last season that it was mostly uh, vertical movement. There wasn't a whole lot of horizontal drop on it. And, uh, you know, given the fact that his changeup is such a, a valuable pitch for him, I think he probably needs a little differentiation there, a little. Uh, you know, horizontal movement. So I, I'm I'm excited by what we've seen so far from him in the spring and uh, just think he's a super talented pitcher. After Chris took Trevor Rogers, Mitch Hanniger at 179, Eugenio Suarez, the last pick of round 15. Scott, I know that Mitch Hanniger is dealing with uh, an oblique strain right now. We don't know if he's going to be ready for opening day. Uh, but this is clearly later than he has been going. Does this sound like the right range for Mitch Hanniger? Yeah, I mean, I guess I have him ranked here. There's a There are a couple of outfielders who I'm surprised haven't been taken yet that I would have taken instead. I, I've never been excited to draft Hanniger. I think there's a lot of volatility there, um, health-related, and he's in a bad park, and he's in place for a manager who likes to mix up lineups a lot. I, I suspect Hanniger's not going to fall into that as much as a other hitters in that lineup, but it still, it still uh, raises the concern. And in the end, even if everything goes right, you might get a 250 hitting 25 homer guy. So was it really worth it? I don't know. To kick off it's, round, go ahead. Finish. It's a low ceiling player and low ceiling investment. Hanniger, I would say. Um. Yeah, I still think there is some some upside there. I mean, we saw a couple of years ago what near 40 home run season. That's not the expectation. But just nope. to know he has that capability in the bag, it's like, all right, maybe maybe he can give us like 30-plus home runs. Not that I'm expecting it, again. 
Uh, to kick off round 16, J.D. Martinez, Anthony Rendon, and Chris, you took Tony Gonsolin, 183rd overall, dealing with an ankle injury. They're saying they're going to kind of slow roll it with Tony Gonsolin. Was really good when he pitched last year. But on top of that, he also kind of has this like forearm thing that he was dealing with. So mm-hmm. lots of concern. But when he's on the mound, he's he's been really, really good. Yeah, I expect him to be very good when he's on the mound. And and like I said earlier, I think in this format, that might have been on the previous podcast, actually. In this format, I'm less concerned about players with innings issues because you're going week by week anyway. So I, uh, I feel pretty good about him. After Tony Gonsolin, Andrew Heaney, Hunter Brown. It's a nice pick there, 185th overall. Uh, Brandon Nimmo, one of, I believe it was eight, one of eight or ten players to score 100-plus runs last year was Brandon Nimmo. I am on the clock, and all right, let's see. I still have a utility spot open. There was a hitter I saw earlier. Ah, there he goes. And uh, I haven't wound up with him yet in any drafts, and it's about time. I got Riley Green, someone I think we kind of collectively like here on the podcast, 187th overall. Capec, capec. That fills out my uh, entire hitting squad, so I'm going to have to focus on some pitchers the rest of the way. But he's been crushing the ball in spring. And speaking of which, you should be reading Scott's uh, spring training roundup that comes out every week. And uh, in that, you, you talked about how Riley Green's swing feels perfect right now and that it's completely leveled and you know not hitting as many ground balls yep. this swing and uh, this spring. And hitting the ball really hard. He's been posting some really big exit velocity. Yeah. So I'm getting more excited yeah. about Riley Green this season. So I didn't have the most up-to-date information because StatCast isn't available at every spring training stadium, but um, something like he had already hit eight balls, 105 plus miles per hour, and seven of them were off the ground, which putting the ball on the ground last year was something that was difficult for him. Now, he hasn't tried to improve his launch angle, but he's focused on putting backspin on the ball. And, um, you know, whatever works, it's kind of an old school way of thinking about hitting, but that's not necessarily wrong. And uh, he's putting up not just big stats, but big uh, data here this spring is Riley Green and Mike yeah, Hugh is just getting plundered here. One up thing, you know, one thing when we talk about like swing changes and a lot of the times when we're talking about, uh, you know, those kind of changes that players make, I've used Christian Yelch as an example where he, he talked about how he, he said he wasn't trying to hit the ball in the air more. He was trying to meet the ball farther along in his swing when his swing is already on the upswing. Cause he hits the ball really hard already. And so, you know, a, a lot of it is like when you, when Riley green talks about hitting the ball with backspin, a lot of these are more like hitting cues, you know, like for me, when he says trying to hit the ball with backspin, that, that means more like trying to get under the ball. It's not necessarily like I'm trying to, you know, uppercut swing it. It's just, I'm trying to hit the ball at a different place. And I think that's something to keep in mind when, you know, oh, this guy needs to hit the ball differently, but he didn't change his swing. Well, those changes can still happen, especially when a player is as young and, and inexperienced as Riley Green is. After I took Riley Green, Ty France, then Andrew Vaughn. That's good value on Vaughn, 189th overall. Key Brian Hayes, Edward Cabrera, love it. And Scott, you know what? Look, for waiting till the last pick of round 16 to come away with Javier Baez as your starting shortstop, it's oh, not... He's not. Oh, he's not right. You you took Tovar. Well, that's just yeah, good he's, value. He's then. insurance for Ezekiel Tovar. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's perfect. Yeah. Okay. This late in the draft, why not? Yeah. Well, 
Yeah, I feel okay about my shortstop situation, all things considered. But, like, the, the problem is I'm kind of duct taping it together while also just having to settle for crap at third base. And this is why, <laughs> this is why I have to get a third baseman in round two because this always happens when I don't. I just end up with total sludge there. I'm not willing to reach quite early enough for the few scattered exciting choices. And I wasn't even, I didn't ever ne- even necessarily need an exciting choice this time. We saw, just since my last pick, we saw Alec Bohm, uh, Eugenio Suarez, Anthony Rendon, and most recently, Kibrian Hayes all go off the board. And, and that's it. You know, like, there's nothing left that's, that is worth paying up for on, in, on any level. Not that I was about to take Cabrian Hayes. He was the last of them, two picks before my pair of picks here. I don't even like Cabrian Hayes that much, <laughs> but it's like, okay, well, maybe there's some untapped upside there. He hits the ball pretty hard. I know some people are still high on him. At least give me some stolen bases, but he's gone too. So it's just like, I'll take whatever's left to third base and probably be stuck with crap there all year because, uh, because there's just there's just not a lo- enough not enough upside plays. After Scott took uh, Scott just disappeared out of nowhere. <laughs> I hope everything is all right. Uh, after Scott took Javier Baez, he took Scott Barlow, Brady Singer, went uh, Patrick Sandoval, Alex Cobb, Oscar Colas, 197th. There was a okay. bunch of prospects sent down, uh, reassigned to minor league camp. Uh, on Tuesday, and Oscar Colos was not one of them. So that makes me feel pretty good uh, about his chances of making the White Sox. I took Evan Phillips, 198th overall. I'll explain that in a second. I, I hate that pick. Which one? Evan Phillips, because I wanted him. Ah, so you mentioned this earlier, Chris, with Paul Seawald and Andres Munoz, where ideally you want a rel- your reliever to, to earn saves. But if they don't, mm-hmm. in a format like this, head-to-head categories, you just kind of plug them in your lineup continue to rack up good ratios and strikeouts. And Daniel Hudson is really the only other reliever I really worry about. You know, there could be other names, but Hudson getting saves for, for the Dodgers. And he's dealing with uh, still knee and ankle issues. Probably not going to be ready for opening day. Evan Phillips was amazing for the Dodgers last year. So I'm just taking the shot here that he could start off as the closer. And if he does really well in that role, maybe he just kind of runs with it all season. So... I don't know if you had anything different to, to add to that, Chris. On no, that's that's exactly the thought process here is that I'm not so concerned about saves, but I do want to get a bunch of good relief pitchers to give myself some flexibility in how I handle my pitching staff because I've got enough starters now that I feel okay about. I could probably use a couple more, but yeah, I would like to have had a very good reliever who's got save chances and there's not a ton of those guys left. After I took Evan Phillips, Jose Urquidy, Tyler Malley, who has uh, looked pretty good so far this spring. I think he had a not-so-great start recently. After Malley, Luis Garcia, Chris, you took Seiya Suzuki, Jack Flaherty, and Vaughn Grissom. So you also have Bryce Harper, Chris. Are you worried about you know, having to stash two guys to start the season in, in Suzuki and Harper? No, because Suzuki is not going to be gone for as long. And uh, I'm assuming we would have IL spots if we played this league out. So I'm not too concerned about that. There will be guys to pick up 
uh, in free agency. So if you do have IL spots, I, I think it's a, a way to take advantage of that. Yeah. All right. The first pick of round 18 is Jared Kelnick at 205th. Moved him up quite a bit in the rankings update as well. Scott, does it sound like the right range for Kelnick? Yeah. I, I'm. Once we get back past pick 200, and we are here with pick 205, I I just say get whatever, get whatever upside play appeals to you. Now, maybe in a 15-team league or deeper, it'd be a little more cautious than that because you can't afford to, to leave too many RBI and run vacuums in your lineup. But in a 12-team league like this, particularly just three outfielder, there are going to be alternatives who can just kind of compile for you. They're going to be available to you off waivers. And I like that next pick too, Oscar Gonzalez, someone I wrote up in Sleepers 2.0. Just an interesting blend of makes a lot of contact, uh, hits the ball decently hard, has a 31 homer season in the minors, and low-key, he's fast. Really good sprint speed for Oscar Gonzalez. I don't know if he'll run, but there's a possibility with the new rules. So uh, maybe he can chip in a little bit there too. Chris, you're on the clock with five seconds left. Yeah, and I'm taking Joey Manessis. He's not someone I've drafted at all this year, but, you know, I think it was, was it Scott on the podcast a couple of days ago talking about, you know, the, I think it was the off poss- the podcast. The possi- yeah, like, but the possibility, like, what if this guy is somewhat for real? He's been really good in the World Baseball Classic. Also, I'm watching it currently. Mexico's jerseys are incredible. I did not realize they have like a pink and baby blue jersey. It's so cool looking. But also, this dude, Harry Ford, has been like one of the players of the tournament for Great Britain. Just had a double. I think he had a two-homer game. Mm-hmm. Uh, top catching prospect for the Seattle Mariners. I think he's, yep. Scott, he's like 50th in your rankings coming into the season. This is totally yeah. unrelated to what we're talking about, but as, I just wanted to throw it out like there. like a 20-year-old catcher prospect. He's too good to catch. Like he's he's <laughs> kind of Mookie Betts-like, I feel like, in terms of the the his offensive potential. And I'd like to see them move him off catcher, the Mariners. I don't know if it's going to happen. But he is not the top catcher prospect, but the most exciting catcher prospect is somebody who should get on base a ton, steal bases, if for average, probably this if for the, power. The comp I love anytime there's an athletic catcher who gets on base is Jason Kendall. He should be better. I mean, Kendall had a long whoa, productive whoa, career. Whoa, whoa, Kendall whoa, had a long whoa, productive whoa. career, but he should be like show some respect, contribute in a wider variety of ways than Kendall did. Well, a rabbit hole on Harry Ford actually started with uh, Joey Manessis as the pick to Chris at 207th overall, followed by Ryan Mountcastle, Oswald Peraza, who had a home run on Tuesday night. He's he's trying to fight off Volpe. We'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Alex Lang the supposed hopeful closer for the Detroit Tigers. I took John Gray, just another upside starting pitcher that I can uh, play the matchups with. In him, uh, Masataka Yoshida at 212th. Tristan Casas, all right, little uh, Red Sox hitter run. Josh Young, very late, uh, 214th overall. Not bad. And Scott, we're making our way back to you. Will Smith goes... All right, so uh, I, don't know, I think some people might have saw my tweet the other day about Will Smith being reunited with Bruce Bochy. Scott does not buy it one bit, but I think there there yeah. might be something there. I, I would definitely still take LeClerc over Smith. I agree with I that. I mean, Smith was not very good last year, 
Smith True. was not very good the year he closed for the Braves, and they, you know, he was perfect in the postseason that year, but he was not very good just in a general closer sense. Was constantly on the verge of losing his job. So I think I think even if Will Smith starts out in the role because Leclerc is banged up, which I don't think is a given, I don't think it'll last long. I don't think it'll last long. All right, so I'm up here for two. I still have an outfield opening. Still have a third base opening, but psh, screw that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to take two outfielders that I try to take in every categories draft: Garrett Mitchell, okay, and Jake Fraley, who I think both have considerable upside and uh, speed too. Speed, both of them. Um, Mitchell has a ton of speed. Mitchell, if he stays healthy and hits well enough to stay in the lineup, I think 40 steals easily. He stole eight, I believe, in 30-something games for the Brewers last year. Uh, but Fraley, Fraley didn't run so much last year, but he's certainly shown the ability to do that in the past. Of course, it's going to be easier to steal bases this year. He's been running a lot in spring training, and he was very productive after coming back from a knee injury in the middle of last year really seem to benefit from playing in Cincinnati after playing in Seattle previously. So I have Mitchell and Fraley both as big breakout possibilities in the outfield and multi-factor, multi-category contributors in the outfield as well. Scott, knowing everything you know now and that you don't have a third baseman yet, would you would you think more about potentially taking... Uh, Jose Ramirez over Aaron Judge when you have the first overall pick like you did in this draft? You know, I don't think so. I mean, it happened last year, right? Judge could hit twice as many home runs as Ramirez. And I don't, like, even if he regresses this year, even if he regresses by 10 home runs, he could have twice as many home runs as Ramirez did. I, I just think there's such a difference there in terms of ceiling. Um. No, I don't think I would. I th- I think I think people are factoring in way too much regression for Judge because oh he'll never hit sixty two home runs again. Okay, but what if he hits fifty two? Like that seems very likely. He's done it before, apart from the sixty two homer season. So no, I'm I think I'd still take Judge number one. All right, after you took Jake Fraley, we see a couple of Reds hitters go in a row. Will Myers, then Noah Syndergaard, Luis Arise, Kyle Finnegan. I took Jose Leclerc. Yes, I think there's a chance Will Smith uh, could steal some saves there, but I agree with Scott. I still would take Leclerc first, but just for, you know, deeper formats, draft and hold leagues, Will Smith, I think, is a name that you should know. The disrespect finally ends. I mean, nobody wants Jonathan India. 223rd overall? I mean, if I know what I... If, if I knew what I know now, I wouldn't have taken Andres Jimenez back in, like, round 9 or 10 or whatever. Just wait forever and then take Jonathan India. After that, Daniel Hudson, Nathan Avaldi, Chris takes Jesse Winker, and uh, Merrill Kelly. So, the start of the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, somebody even said in the chat, Mount Rushmore (laughs) run. That's, like, that's a terrible nickname because it's not, (laughs) it requires so much explanation, right? It's just, it's just that they're old, you know? That's that's, got to, I mean, like, that's not why I call no, them. No, you know what? I'm executive decision. We're changing the name. You know what we're going to call them? Okay. What's that? They're the Golden Girls. <laughs> but they're not girls. 
but they're golden. They're golden. It's true. <laughs> and more, more importantly, they're old. Plus, I can make it. I can make still it still in the prime of their lives, notably. I can make a sound drop out of that too, Chris. <laughs> so I think we're, I think we're onto something here. Thank you for being a friend, Merrill Kelly. But Mount Rushmore is actually <laughs> catching on. It's ridiculous that it's catching on because it's such a bad nickname. I think Golden Girls will catch on just as quickly. Let All us right. know. Let us know in the comments on YouTube. Should we call uh, Scott's group of four? I guess you could call them boring pitchers. It's the 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 four boring pitchers who figured out what it takes to succeed in a post juice ball league. Scott. You're not allowed to say those words on the podcast anymore. I don't know if <laughs> you got the, the memo, but uh, we're, one we're, angry tweeter is not going to stop me from saying "juice ball era." We are we are now going with the JBE, and we're just leaving it no, at that. No, I hate acronyms. We're not doing that. Juice <laughs> let, ball era. Let us know in the comments. Say it again, Scott. Let us know in the comments. Uh, do you want us to go with the Golden Girls or the Mount Rushmore for? For Scott's uh, group of four starting pitchers there. And before we catch you up on the picks, let's take uh, another break here in part two of this live mock draft. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we'd go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. CBS Fantasy Baseball Commissioner lets you run your league your way with endless ways to customize your scoring, rosters, schedule, and more. I think I have to pause this read to make a pick. Uh, I totally forgot that I was about to be on the clock. So let's see who I want to take. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take Sonny Gray, who there's there's been some good news about so far in the spring. Uh, anywho, again... CBS Sports Fantasy Baseball Commissioner lets you run your league your way with endless ways to customize your scoring, roster, schedule, and more. With CBS Sports Commissioner, you can cut out the loopholes and arguments and play exactly how your league wants to. Customize uh, the rules from roto, head-to-head points, or categories, salary cap or snake drafts, keepers, contracts, draft pick trading, and multiple matchups per period. The league history is unlike any other fantasy site with a record book, all-time standings, year-by-year results, and more. So step up to the big leagues this season. Visit cbssports.com slash FBT to get a special offer when you start a new commissioner league today. Again, that's cbssports.com slash FBT. 
We are in round 20. And the latest picks, Matthew Boyd, Martin Perez, Rowanzi Contreras, love it, Chris, Alex Wood, Brandon Drury, Cody Bellinger, I took Sonny Gray, uh, and then Jose Barrios and Sean Manaya. Man, I mean, one one bad WBC start for Jose Barrios, and he is just <laughs> plummeting down draft boards even, even worse than he was yeah, before. He looked awful. And it's kind of like Charlie Morton where, like, there wasn't like a really good explanation for why he struggled so much last season. There was like, like his spin rate and velocity were most of the same. It was just like, he just wasn't commanding anything. He was leaving his fastball up and he was just getting clobbered. And that's what it looked like I, against, he, uh, he went, I think it's worth pointing out his ADP is 210. Yeah. So 236 is lower than that, but it's not I, two whole rounds, Scott. By the yeah, way, it's it, Tyler Anderson one of the Golden Girls. Am I remembering? Is that the fourth one? Yeah, he's one of the yeah, part um, of the Mount Rushmore. The Mount Rushmore, yes, Chris. I, I'm not comfortable calling the Golden Girls. I don't know. I kind of, I kind of like it. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know uh, in the YouTube comments or tweet at us. Golden Girls or Mount Rushmore? What are we doing? Going a Twitter with? poll. Um, uh, Scott, we're going to get to your picks in just a second. I wanted to bring up a note about Sonny Gray, which I read in the Mining the News article, which. If you don't read them, you absolutely should be reading them. Uh, really great articles from Jeff Zimmerman over at Rotographs. Last year, Sonny Gray was not ready for the start of the season because the holdout, he kind of fell behind, and he said that that led to some of his injuries. He came out the spring, and he was either throwing harder or got a bunch of whiffs on his breaking pitches. And Look, this late in the draft, I'll take a shot on Sonny Gray, but um, I think there is reason for some optimism when it comes to, uh, to Sonny Gray. And Scott... With that, you wind up with one of your favorite pitchers, Miles Michaelis. Yeah, one of the Mount Rushmore. I, I'm in such good shape in this draft for pitching that I'm not as concerned about getting them. Tyler Anderson's still out there. I could go with him, but I think I'm going to try for some upside. Maybe even an outside shot, this guy gains third base eligibility. Um, and that's Anthony Volpe. Ah. I was thinking about taking him. Yeah. It's good I, I mean, so we know Isaiah Kiner for left is not going to be the shortstop. That that we got confirmation of that today. Um, Aaron Boone said they're going to work him in center field because he's transitioning to a utility role. He did not suggest who was going to take Kiner for left's place at shortstop. Of course, Oswald Peraza, who hasn't been taken here, is the entered as the favorite. But he has been kind of banged up this spring, hasn't done a lot when he's played. Volpe continues to set the world on fire. And notably, he didn't get optioned on a day when when uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand did, Ian Ugh. Anderson did, Bryce Elder did, Anthony Volpe did not. So he is, I think, truly in the running for a job here. And I know scouting reports suggested third base might actually be his best position. And what are the odds Josh Donaldson holds up all year? So I'm going to start with the crappy third baseman, no matter who it is. Ryan McMahon just got taken. Oh, well. Um, (laughs) But uh, Anthony Volpe gives me the chance of maybe at some point not having a crappy third baseman. The start of round 21, Scott took Anthony Volpe, then Jorge Lopez, Ramon Laureano, Ryan McMahon, and Kyle Bradish, someone who has looked great in spring training as well. And, uh, He's generating some buzz as a sleeper in the fantasy baseball industry as well. Um, and RJ White has chimed in with a potential name for that group. We may have to redo the poll because I think the expendables 
That's a pretty great name too. <laughs> that is that is really good. All right. What? Ex- explain it to me. I'm not sure I get it. Movie that like I think Arnold Schwarzenegger was in it and Bruce Willis, a bunch of old action stars from like ten years ago. That they I never saw it, but that's like old. Okay, so it was a bunch of has been back. To, I don't. That's rude. Well, I'm uh, saying, like, if it was Barrios and Flaherty, if that's the group we were talking about, then maybe that would make more sense. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure. I want to lose the momentum of Mount Rushmore. <laughs> really, catching on. Well, I mean, a the streets are ablaze. We found a movie that I saw that you guys haven't seen, and B, it doesn't surprise me that it's like a terrible movie. <laughs> that you know, I haven't seen it either, Frank. Yeah, I mean, you probably shouldn't. It's it's a really bad movie. So, <laughs> like Space Jam. Oh my gosh. I mean, Chris, I didn't get your take on the Space Jam debacle, but we did a mailbag last week and it was me, Welsh, and Scott. And Scott just had like, he had an Azer take. He's out on Space Jam. He said it wasn't good at the time. And it's, it's like, I'm, I'm saying uh, as a movie, go ahead, explain, it was, Scott. it's forgettable. And I'm not sure why it's revered in this way that we it deserves a sequel 20 years later. A movie that includes Michael Jordan. The Looney Tunes, Bill Murray is a for, forgettable yeah, I, movie. I, I understand it was a promotional, um, it, it was a promotional event that they made a movie around. Like I like, that's not the best way of phrasing it. I had a good phrasing the other day, but it's not coming to mind right now. It is a, you know, it's it, a very, it's a cynical enterprise. I think it's fair to say the 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 create the genesis of space jam was not hey let's make the best movie we can possibly make you know that wasn't the thought pro- and let's I get michael jordan with jam the too. looney tunes and try and write a script around it and surely people will come to see it yeah. and buy a lot of merchandise for it and that's what happened but predictably <laughs> the movie was just eh. Yeah, it's not a great movie. I, I, I think there, we're we're overthinking it. This is not an Oscar-nominated movie, and I don't think anyone's saying it is. But it is a People great revere it, Frank. It is a great. They are a fun movie. It is that I could say this is an average movie that we really shouldn't take. still be talking about it's a bad to the extent take. that we do let's uh let's catch people up uh, outside of uh scott's bad takes uh carlos estevez i took him because i'm just trying to load up on relievers that can maybe uh grab me some, some saves here at the end of the draft and uh, andrew benintendi why was i about to say andrew that that was weird uh hayden wesneski nice i wrote him up in sleepers 2.0 sir anthony dominguez jameson tyone to chris yandy diaz and john birdie is this next round the final round of the draft? No, we've got two more to go. Okay. Uh, Jameson Tyone, Chris, I know he's someone you've talked up a- as a sleeper. I-, I haven't really yeah. been paying attention to him in spring to see what he's been doing, but I'll, I'll try. I have not seen that either, but the, the case for him as a sleeper, in case you haven't heard it, is he's got good control, good ground ball rates, hasn't really been a strikeout pitcher, but he's introducing a sweeper to his arsenal this offseason with the intention of getting more swings and misses. I think it could be the put-away pitch that he's been looking for, and uh, I'm uh, I'm intrigued by the possibilities here. All right, so his most recent start uh, last week, March 9th, he gave up four runs, and um, yeah, I mean, it's less than ideal. Obviously, we're not paying too much attention for like veterans in spring training, but I guess if we saw them doing better, you know, obviously that would be a good thing. Couple of relievers go off the board here. Round twenty-two: Michael King and Brock Burke. 
not necessarily relievers that are going to get you saves, but guys that you could plug in and get you hopefully good ratios and, and really good strikeouts as well. Uh, Chris, with the homer pick, you go ahead and take Dylan Floro. Love Dylan Floro. No, no, you don't. No, just <laughs> it's a it's a closer. Yes. Or a possible closer. A yeah. possible closer, yeah. Skip Schumacher, new manager of the Marlins, has already said that they are going to go with a closer by committee. Um, mm-hmm. Some of their relievers have been banged up this spring, but they recently made their debuts. It was A.J. Puck and Tanner Scott, and uh, Matt Barnes has been pitching in spring. So they've got about four different names that could wind up grabbing saves here for the Miami Marlins. And that's an annoying pick because... I wanted to draft Brendan Fott, who is a pitching prospect with the Diamondbacks. That name is spelled P-F-A-A-D-T if you're looking him up. Really good numbers in the minors last year. Actually led the entire minors in strikeouts. He went six plus innings a bunch of times. So seems like he's ready to pitch in the majors. It's just they have a few other names there out in Arizona with Dre Jamison and, and Ryan Nelson. Frankly, I think they should just kind of give up on, on the Zach Davies thing and and probably go with multiple of these prospects, but what do I know? I'm going to go ahead and uh, take another reliever here. There was a report that came out on Tuesday that uh, the Cubs apparently view Michael Fulmer and Brad Boxberger as the leading candidates to pick up saves in the ninth inning. So I drafted Michael Fulmer. Yeah. Somebody else, feel free to draft Brad Boxberger. I will not be taking both of them. I think between the two, Fulmer's the one to take because they... When they signed him, they brought up the possibility of him being the closer, but he said he kind of inferred from that conversation that he had to earn it. Uh, but like as, as part of the courting him process, the fact they, they tipped their hand that, that that's what they would like Fulmer to do, I think is pretty revealing. Of course, we don't know what the courting process was like with Boxberger, but still. Yep. A couple other picks after I took Fulmer, Kenta Maeda. Love it. Nice little uh, sleeper pick. Bounce back candidate for the Twins. Michael Conforto, way too late. 261. Mm-hmm. Spoke about him the other day. Uh, made some changes to uh, his swing. And, he, you know, he's, he hasn't played in a while. I get that. But looks to be healthy so far. He's got four home runs this spring. And so not, not the greatest park, I guess, for, for left-handed power out in, in San Francisco. But we'll see with uh, Michael Conforto. Scott, we're coming up on your pick. And... Those will be your last two picks of the draft. Where are you they going? Will. They will. Yeah. And I'd like to have three more picks, to be honest. There's one thing I planned on doing that I don't think I'm going to be able to do now. Mm-hmm. And that is pair Aroldis Chapman with Scott Barlow. Scott Barlow, I think, is the most vulnerable of the presumed closers of, of the ones who we really think, okay, this is the closer. And and after signing Aroldis Chapman, the, the Royals GM said Scott Barlow is our closer. So I, I think it's fair to say he is, he is a closer, but of the ones of, of the closer, Scott Barlow is the most vulnerable because why would a rebuilding team like the Royals sign Chapman to a one-year deal, if not to, potentially flip him at the deadline and the best way to resuscitate his value is by giving him safe chances. So I, I think mostly he just has to prove he's deserving of those chances because he didn't with the Yankees last year. But if he does, he'll be at least a constant annoyance for Scott Barlow. So I, I plan, I drafted Barlow thinking I'd take Chapman with my last pick, but Tyler Anderson's 
Tyler Anderson's still there, so I'm going to take the last of the Mount Rushmore. Thank you for being a friend. My final pick is going to be my third baseman. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I'm going to fill the spot with Brett Beatty for now, and just if he, in the off chance, he's able to win the job for the Mets, because at least there's upside there. And if he doesn't, I'll pick up Eduardo Escobar or Justin Turner or whatever scrubby guy I can pick up to fill that spot. But I'll give myself a chance with Beatty of hopefully getting something more than scrubby there. And I was watching the Mets earlier today. Brett Beatty, he's he's put on some muscle, man. He, he, he looks a lot bigger than I remember seeing him last year. And he's performed really well this spring. So perhaps playing his way into a job there. Uh, you know, he could play third, maybe Escobar at DH, and they talked about maybe using Escobar in left field. Clearly, they want to find a way to get Brett Beatty, Brett Beatty's bat in the lineup, and, and frankly, I don't blame the Mets. A couple other picks here in round 23, Travis Darno, Ranger Suarez, Danny Jimenez, and Hassan Kim, who's hit some home runs out there in the World Baseball Classic as well. I, I'm going to take my last starting pitcher. It's Ross Stripling. Someone I talk about a lot as a sleeper. Uh, leaned into his changeup last year. It's a really good pitch. And uh, he was awesome in the second half. Now moves over to the Giants. Uh, great ballpark to pitch in, obviously. So I do like Ross Stripling. Uh, definitely like him as my last pick in the draft. Lance McCullers, who you can stash on the IL and wait for him to return. He uh, He's recently started a throwing program, so... Hopefully some good news on him, unless, of course, you like Hunter Brown, of course. Um, After Lance McCullers, Jock Peterson, Trevor May. Chris, you took DJ LeMayhew and Gabriel Moreno. Two picks that I like there. Lots of eligibility with uh, DJ LeMayhew. Hit a home run on Tuesday, and when he plays, he could be the leadoff man for the Yankees as well. Yep, I I think, you know, like... uh... Gosh, who was it? The Salvador Perez with the wrist injury last year. I think there's a, a very clear delineation for DJ LeMayhew when he started playing poorly, and it was when he had the toe injury. He tried to play through it, clearly didn't work out for him. But before that, he was having a season somewhere between, uh, you know, 2021 and the, no, no, not 2021. He was not good, right? Am I remembering the timeline? It was 2020. He was right. awesome. 2019. He was very good. Yeah, it was yeah. like somewhere between 2021 and 2019. Um, I, I think he can still be DJ LeMay. He can still be a very useful fantasy option, especially in that lineup. What are they going to do with all those infielders? I, even, I even if know. they only take one of Peraza and Volpe with them to New York. And even if Isaiah kind of Isaiah kind of for left is just a bench bat. They still have one too many infielders, you know? Yeah. So, I'm, I, I get the impression LeMahieu's going to play quite a bit. Um, if he's not playing every day, is he going to be productive enough to factor if it's not literally every day? And I have doubts about that. They're trying to find ways, Scott. I, I know that the Yankees have tried uh, Aaron Judge in left field so that they could play Stanton in right because mm-hmm. right field is smaller in Yankee Stadium. Or, But now with this Bader injury, I guess they could play you know Judge in center. Or they, They've got some options. They've got you know Kiner Falefa out there and, and Oswaldo Cabrera. It's a good problem for them to have. I'm frankly still surprised that they haven't made a trade to this point. Uh, well, and it's the Yankees. There will probably be an injury at some point. I feel pretty confident in saying this oh, yeah. is not a team that has a 
great track record when it comes to keeping their best players on the field. So, I mean, obviously that injury could be to DJ LeMahieu, but I think these things, like, if DJ LeMahieu hits, they'll figure it out. If he doesn't hit, then I'm going to drop him either way. Yeah. But I, I do think, like, he's going to play enough if he's good enough. And the last pick of the draft, Mr. Irrelevant, is Brendan Donovan, who could lead off against right-handed pitching and. He's looked pretty good so far this spring as well. Let's take our final break, and when we return, we'll recap our teams here on Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Let's recap our teams, and we'll start with Scott, who is drafting first overall. And he wound up with Salvador Perez, Pete Alonso, Jose Altuve, Brett Beatty, and Ezekiel Tovar in the infield. <laughs> Catcher, first base, second base. Oh, that's great. Brett Beatty. <laughs> Yeah, that was exactly my thought while I was reading it. I was like, wow, this team is really good. Uh, 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 let's get into the outfield. Aaron Judge, Cedric Mullins, Garrett Mitchell, two utility bats, Christian Walker and Nate Lowe. So that helps pick things back up on the pitching side. Robbie Ray, Max Freed, uh, Charlie Morton, Chris Sale, Reed Detmers as the starting pitchers. Your relievers in the lineup. You've got Emmanuel Class A, Daniel Bard. And Scott Barlow uh, on the bench. You've got some some fun as well. Javier Baez, two of the Mount Rushmore, Tyler Anderson, Miles Michaelis, and then Jake Fraley and Anthony Volpe. What do you think, Scott? I know I asked you the question about Judge versus Jose Ramirez. Was there another chance for you to grab a third baseman that you kind of wish you did? Uh, what do you think about the team? Mm-hmm. Well, I really hate that I have a black hole at third base. And that always seems to happen when I don't prioritize it early. And, and it wasn't my fault in this draft picking first. My only, unless I took Jose Ramirez first overall, my only chance of getting a stud third baseman was if Nolan Arenado made it to the end of round two, which he normally does, but you can't be certain that he will. If he did, I definitely would have taken him, but he didn't. So I was on this path of trying to mitigate damage at third base for the entire draft. And it just never worked out in part because picking at the end, um, there were a couple of third base runs that I missed out on. So I think I approached it the best way I could considering I kept missing out. Um, the, the strength, the, where I have more than I usually have because of that lack of third base, I think is starting pitcher. 
I'm deeper and higher in there than I normally am. My top three, I know we haven't got to it yet. My top three, oh, you did, you did talk about it. Max Fried, Robbie Ray, Chris Sale, um, and then having Charlie Morton, Reed Detmers there is four or five. Like there, there's more upside there than I normally get. I don't have any of the Mount Rushmore in my starting lineup, for instance, only a couple on my bench. I'd rather have the stud third baseman. So looking back, uh, I took Robbie Ray and Chris Sale back to back in, let me see, what round was that? Sale, that was eight, nine. And then who was the next third baseman to go off the board? Jordan Walker, who I would have felt much better about slotting at that position. So I probably just should have been a little more aggressive for Walker rather than taking the two starting pitchers there. Given that my pitching is probably, it's, it's more than I usually get and more than I think I'm going to need. Certainly there are going to be options emerging on waivers. Can't say that about third base. So, I'm I'm praying for a miracle there with Brett Beatty. Um, and if it doesn't work out, I'm just going to have to ride a scrub. Maybe I'll be able to work a trade with the pitching surplus. I mean, I, I, I potentially may have ended up with a shortstop surplus since I have um, Ezekiel Tovar as my starter there, Javier Baez, and Anthony Volpe both on my bench. Obviously, I need only one of those guys to work out of them works out and there's a good chance all three of them do and if that's the case i might have an opportunity to make a trade down the line but i'd much rather just have somebody good at third base than it be this big eyesore like it is so overall i like my team but that ward is a glaring ward and that's what i try to avoid in every draft because it's so easy to do with that position. You know, frankly, I thought you'd be tilting more, Scott, so I'm a little bit disappointed, but I'm at the same time I'm happy that you like your team. So <laughs> let's slide over to I Chris. Mean, let's slide over to Chris's team. He was drafting 10th overall in this one. Starting with catcher Dalton Varsho, followed up by Joey Manessis at first base, Ozzy Albies, Rafael Devers, Wander Franco, that's the infield, in the outfield, Chris Bryant, Jordan Alvarez, Michael Harris, with Carlos Correa and Jesse Winker as the two utility bats. At starting pitcher, Dylan Cease, Kyle Wright, Rowanzi Contreras, Trevor Rogers, Pablo Lopez, Tony Gonsolin, a couple of relievers, you wound up with... Uh, Jordan Romano and Paul Sewald. On the bench, you've got DJ LeMahieu, Jamison Tyone, Bryce Harper, Dylan Floro, and Seiya Suzuki. Do you think, in hindsight, Chris, uh, obviously, Joey Manessis, eh, you know, maybe it could work out at first base. Like, that that's yep. that's a, a potential need. And um, starting pitcher, would you have done anything differently with those two positions? Yeah, I probably could have invested a little more in starting pitcher and and maybe the Bryce Harper pick around 100 overall was a little overly aggressive or maybe too cute. The the one thing I I would say is like I've got Bryce Harper, I've got Say Suzuki, I've got Carlos Correa, I've got Jesse Winker between like f- four players for like utility basically. None of them are first base eligible. So Joey Manessis and DJ LeMahieu are the only first baseman on my roster. And I, I think it'll work out with between those two guys. Manessis is a bit of an upside power play. Uh, LeMahieu, I think, is just kind of a safe overall hitter. 
I wish I had a better first baseman on the roster. I wish given the utility depth that I have, I wish one of them had first base eligibility or at least a path to first base eligibility. So, you know, overall I love my offense and that makes sense because I went heavy on offense in this draft. Um, But just like in terms of positional flexibility, I think that's probably the one place that I'm a little lacking here. And I partially screwed you the way you screwed me at shortstop. Yes. Taking taking Carlos Correa for one of your utility spots. I took two first basemen back-to-back for both of my utility spots, Nate Lowe and Christian Walker. I didn't do it to screw you. I did it because (laughs) they both lasted a lot longer than they normally do. It was just a nice side effect. They have... So at that point, I already knew I was had a problem at shortstop and third base, so I wanted to make sure my utility players were as impactful as possible. Mm-hmm. So there were these two big bats that lasted a lot longer than they normally do, and so I just took them. So I thought... I was gearing I, I, up to take Christian Walker with my yeah. next pick, too. Yeah. Yep. And I would feel better about my team if I had Christian Walker and instead of... you know, I, I don't know who I ended up taking there. Let me see if I can... I ended up with Chris Bryant. Like I would feel better if I had Christian Walker at first base and, you know, a, a comparable outfielder instead. Hey, but you know, I, I I like just from like a build perspective. I haven't really addressed the category balance amid all the positional talk. Um, I got some huge sluggers in Salvador Perez, Pete Alonso, Altuve for his position is a big slugger. Mm-hmm. Judge, of course, and then Walker and Lowe in my utility spots, and yet I still got stolen base threats. I mean, Judge and Altuve will provide a fair amount themselves, but I have Garrett Mitchell in my lineup, Cedric Mullins. I mean, they, they might combine for 70 to 80 steals, those two. Ezekiel Tovar should be a base dealer. Any of the three shortstops I drafted by is or Volpe. I'll probably get steals out of that spot. So I, I feel really good about the balance of uh, for not investing as much in hitting. or I, I shouldn't say that because what, my first four or five picks were all hitters. Um. But for maybe going a little, maybe going after starting pitcher a little earlier than I do, I, I still think the hitting came out really impressive for my team. Let's wrap up with my team that I drafted sixth overall and starting with Wilson Contreras at catcher, Rowdy Telez, Andres Jimenez, Austin Riley, and Francisco Lindor in the infield. In the outfield, Eloy Jimenez, Adolis Garcia, Julio Rodriguez, and my two utility bats were... Ahmed Rosario and Riley Green. You know, I feel like I invested in in hitters early, but it feels like there's something lacking. Maybe it's just name value or or star power, whatever it might be. I think it's okay. I I think it's balanced. I'm trying to see. Maybe it's a little bit, a little light on power, but not really. Got Rowdy Telez. I don't know. What do you guys think about the offense there? Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's good. I think it's it's a lot of kind of across-the-board contributors as opposed to um, guys who will be hugely impactful in one area, you know? Yeah. Something yeah, like I, I, how many, like, definite 30 home run guys are here? Riley... Riley. And Lindor probably, but not a guarantee. Eloy, not a guarantee. You know, so like Telez probably, but not a guarantee. Yeah, Julio Rodriguez probably, but not a guarantee. Like, there's a lot of like 25 to 30 homer guys here rather than like 30 to 35. But you yeah. know, th- that's that's not the worst thing in the world because you do have you know 
good batting average sources. You have guys who are going to steal bases. Like it is, like Scott said, it's not super heavy in any one place, but it should be pretty good all around. It for the head-to-head categories specifically, because we're 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 used to thinking in terms of roto leagues. I prefer the really impactful in one area guys mm-hmm. because you know they're going to consistently be delivering from week to week in that one area when if you have um more abro- across the board contributors it's hard to say exactly what they're going to give you when and it may not be as reliable from week to week and and that may lead to more volatility for your team so it's it's kind of a minor point but i think it's worth bringing up if you have the choice between um, say a Corey Seager, who, who's going to be very, we think, going to be very reliable for batting average versus a Francisco Lindor, who does everything pretty well, but nothing exceptionally well. On the pitching side, I wound up with Brandon Woodruff, Joe Musgrove, Lance Lynn, uh, Tyler Glass now, Jesus Lazardo on the bench. I've got Sonny Gray, Ross Stripling, John Gray as the starters, and then the Relievers, I've got Ryan Presley, Evan Phillips, Jose LeClerc, Michael Fulmer, and Carlos Estevez. So like we were talking about on yesterday's podcast, just kind of talking through strategy, I usually like to have you know five or six relievers that I can plug in my lineup that will either give me saves or in the case of like an Evan Phillips, even if he's not giving me saves, he'll help out with ratios and strikeouts. And I think the pitching staff turned out all right. It's going to have to wait a little bit for Joe Musgrove. Uh, Tyler Glass now, probably a month or a month and a half or so, but yeah, yeah. I, I think it's fine. It's okay, team. Yeah, I think so, too. It's it's hard to mess up pitching this year, really. The more I draft, the more I think that's true. Yeah, and there's just so many fun ones, too, in those later rounds. Like, when you took Reed Detmers, and I, I took Jesus Lazardo, Jeffrey Springs goes off the board, Chris takes Pablo Lopez, it's just... Man, like post 150, it just feels feels like there's still like a lot of really, really exciting uh, pitchers. So you want to save some spots for, for that later part in the draft. Maybe get two or three in those first 10 rounds and then kind of load up on some fun upside guys later on. Uh, but that'll do it. We're going to wrap there for Scott and Chris. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.